Welcome, reanimated fans, to our podcast. It's been a tick, but, you know, summertime plans got in the way. Uh, we're happy to be back this weekend, though, and talking about the first installation of Wormwood, which is an Australian film that came out in 2014, um, is now on, on um, Amazon Originals, but... Introducing to you my intrepid co-host, as always, Stuart Tiffin. Hello, Stuart. G'day, mate. Um, so we're talking about that, um, and we'll probably talk about the sequel, I hope, at some point, But um, which is Wormwood Apocalypse that came out in 2021. Um, but before we talk about Wormwood, the first installation, we have a bunch of news items, uh, some of which I'm super excited about. Um, Museum of the Moving Image in New York, which is in Astoria has a really cool zombie exhibition happening. It starts June 25th and it's they're doing screenings of a bunch of Romero films. Um, but the exhibit itself is called Living with the Walking Dead. Um, and it is um, basically the origins of, of all things wa- of um, Romero and zombies, fandom, all of that stuff. Um, so it's pretty cool. I think they also have... Um, you know, original, like, like props and things like that. Um, and I am definitely going to check it out. So I might go and then report back. Uh, I don't know if I'll be, I I'm guessing these things are going to probably be sold out, but they're doing a bunch of screenings as well of I mean, all Romero films. So mm-hmm. that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Living with the walking dead is going through January, like through new year's Eve. So that one, I think you should be able to get into, I don't know what there will be in terms of screenings for that, but the actual screening screenings, they're playing some of these movies m- multiple times. Oh, I'm totally there. I mean, yeah, I'm going to see Shaun of the dead on the big screen. I'm not, cu- I can't pass that up. <laughs> what was curious was that Dawn of the dead, the original Dawn of the dead is yeah. not, uh, is not listed they, there was a note somewhere like, well, we're adding it later. I don't, it was kind of interesting. They may have to get some permissions or something, but I also was interested to see that one cut of the dead was amongst the yeah. things that they're playing, which I'm really psyched for them that they're getting. So that is such a great film. I really enjoyed the heck out of that film. Yeah. One cut of the so, dead, other than Sean of the dead would like, these are the only two kind of outliers. Everything else is yeah. Romero. And I guess they're just, they're just suggesting that they are, real spiritual successors. I think Shaun of the Dead, certainly one cut of the dead less so, but it's such an interesting film that yeah, sure. Throw it in there. Um, and then the white zombie nightmares of empire, I think sounds like a really interesting kind of, it sounds like it's going to be like lectures, maybe mixed with these really old school zombie movies. A lot of which we have not seen other than uh, zombie two by Lu- uh, Lucio Fulci. Mm. I don't think we've seen any of the others. I walked with a zombie. I feel like that's been on my list forever, but some of these are like 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s movies. Uh, And then the the lecture series is going to be about like how the rise of uh, Western zombie media comes out of the fall of imperialism. And yeah, just some, it would probably would be a really fun lecture series if there are lectures there. I believe there is like a docent or somebody who's going to be accompanying the, the movies. I'm just really curious. I mean, because this is a very ex- extensive, extensive exhibition, uh, multiple sort of things going on. So um, clearly it took a ton of time to put all of this together. Oh, yeah. uh, so I'm I'm really just all all for it. Um, and it would take a ton of time to take it all in. Right. Like these are multi day, multi week 
exhibitions, not the films of the dead. That's only like five days. No, it's not. It's a month and a half. Um, but like, it'll take so long <laughs> to just well, take and, it all and in. To give, and also to give just sort of some kind of like uh, contrast to other things that are there. They also have, you know, a Jim Henson exhibition. Um, it's all like all over the place. Uh, they have the creatures of the land of, you know, for, like the dark crystal, which is also Jim Henson. Oh, that's so uh, cool. So they've got like a ton of kind of cool things that are definitely sort of in line with my interest personally. Um, Sounds like it might be worth a trip to Queens for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, well, without question, this is definitely going to get me over there. It's all right. I'm going to get some really uh, tasty food from my favorite Greek restaurant over there, Um, which, you know, it's worth the, worth the trip anyway, but um, it will be, uh, I will report back. I'm really excited about this. This is awesome. Um, so to more to be continued on that, uh, maybe you should make a trip to New York, Stuart. That does sound like something I should do. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but, um, and you found a bunch of other stuff coming, coming oh, yeah. up. This is a good week for, for news, but we also have been out of the mix for a little while. So maybe, I don't know if some of these are catching up, but one thing that I discovered was a trailer for a game called zombie cure lab, and I played the demo actually, and uh, it's a fun little game. It's a uh, it's a base builder um, where, and I love this this premise. It's kind of like the movie Fido, where they domesticated zombies. You remember that one? And they had like little yep. uh, little gizmos. I think that would you know keep them in line. Uh, in this, you you build you have like a team of scientists, and you build a little base, and then um, you can re- go through a research chain uh, and and build like ways to domesticate the zombies that come out every night and attack your base. And so you can freeze them and then put some sort of machine on them uh, to, to domesticate them. And then you use them as your labor force. But then <laughs> the the threat is that like, you know, if they, if then you have to keep them happy by like working out and eating raw meat, I think are the two of the, two of the mechanisms to keep those zombies happy. And if they lose their happiness, they will go feral again and start killing your scientists in your base. And I think this is just a really fun sort of uh, seesaw to try and balance uh, while you're doing a base building game and trying to get resources. So uh, it's called Zombie Cure Lab. There's a demo that you can download and play right now on Steam. And I think the game's coming out this summer. So that's, that's that. Uh, sorry, just to skip back, but just read that this whole Living with the Walking Dead uh, exhibition is, you know, obviously organized museum and moving image, but it is presented with support of AMC Networks. So and Shutter, that yeah. be much of a shock. Anyway. Yeah, well, and Shutter is owned by AMC, right? And they're, yep, of yep, course, yep. this is a this is a great. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's just like multi level marketing that they're pushing out here. It makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. But anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to cut in. No, it's fine. I uh, I just got through describing Zombie Cure Lab. Uh, and then I also saw Netflix's Geeked Week was recently. Honestly, between video games and, uh, and uh, you know, like project announcements, it's been kind of a busy little time here. Mm-hmm. But uh, the ZOM 100 Bucket List of the Dead, bit of an unwieldy title, but it's apparently a manga and it's being adapted to a... Uh, movie uh, coming to Netflix. Not sure when. I think all that's out there really right now is a still photo of a kid riding a bicycle away from a uh, horde of undead. The The premise here also sounds quite comedic. And I think that's going to be one of the things. This guy hates his job so much that he's relieved once a zombie apocalypse breaks out, I think is kind of the central 
theme. And so he's like, well, <laughs> I guess now that I don't have to go to my terrible job, I will just do the hundred things I most wanted to do before I become a zombie. All right. Well, I mean, that's a fair goal, right? <laughs> it's yeah. It's just the, it's, you know, priorities. <laughs> right. Um, so, and then and amongst other projects coming up, uh, this is this is one that has been getting just a ton of play. Uh, Mad God on Shudder. There's also there's a review in the New York Times, but I think you found a bunch of different things about it. Um, and it's a stop motion, um, like kind of a. I do, I just took a look at a just a couple of shots. It does look very bleak, and um, I will say that I don't know how much I am going to enjoy this because there's definitely some body horror elements, which is not my fave. <laughs> but it's it's uh, it. I would say that just looking at the amount of time it must have taken 30 years, <laughs> um, it just it's probably worth checking out regardless. And the director is Phil Tippett, um, who I think uh, and in fact, I think it's going to be um, this is like I think they're playing this at a theater near me as well. So I don't know if I'm going to try to see it, but I don't know if it's like a limited play or not, but it's playing at the Nighthawk. So that I, I almost feel like this might be worth seeing in the theater. I don't know. What do you think? I think you'd have to be pretty uh, stealing yourself to, to go I know, and do that. I know. I saw even the outtakes. I had to like stop it. <laughs> I'm just not cut out for body horror. <laughs> like some the monsters that Phil Tippett has made, I think are like immediately recognizable. He does the he did the ATAT. He mm-hmm. did the Tauntauns in Star Wars. He did the Rancor. Uh, he, you know, he did the little chess set on the Millennium Falcon. This dude has a, a really strong history of um, of puppetry creatures. and creature effects and stop motion. And now this movie, I think, yeah, I get the impression. I, I haven't read it, uh, this, but I just can imagine this guy in his like studio tinkering away at this movie for decades. And now it's on Shutter. And uh, yeah, like not just the New York Times, but like AV Club. Uh, other other people have really just I think Wired magazine people have really latched onto this as as like a magnum opus and something to really take notice of. So that's out there on Shutter now. Yep. Uh, and you, I hope everybody will be happy to hear that Bruce Campbell is writing uh, a comic book st- series. It's a limited series, um, and uh, Sergeant Rock versus Nazi Zombies. And I, I don't know. I just like the idea that he's out there still, still doing this stuff. Right. I don't know. He's, and you know, I just saw him in uh, doing his cameo in the uh, Dr. Strange film. Uh, so that, that always makes me happy, but I like that he's still out there in the world, you know? Absolutely. It's uh, like some of the art does look interesting. It's him fighting Nazi zombies, like with his fists, I think, or not Bruce Campbell, but a guy who, Probably could pass for Bruce Campbell, a fitter version of Bruce Campbell out there knocking zombies out. Oh, sorry. It's Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead. Um, So but they are basically zombie like Nazi zombies. (laughs) So that's that's where that came from. Um, And that's, you know, he's been a big comic book fan for many years of like graphic novel fan. And so I just think it's kind of fun that he's like really into that kind of classic like horror fa- fan stuff. So I'm, I definitely will watch this. I think it's like a six, uh, six book series maybe. Um, but I, it wouldn't shock me if they decide to, to do something else with this in addition, uh, because, you know, 
it seems like a lot of fun. So it's anyway, interesting to me that it feels like there are more people, more actors making comic books. And I don't know if I'm imagining this, but like with Connor, Keanu Reeves making his Berserker one that he went, he went on to like one of the late night talk shows and talked about <laughs> it. Um, uh, and now I've found a, a, te- a top 10 list of actors who make comic books. And it's some people who aren't all that surprising honestly right right but you know like kevin smith Patton oswalt though uh samuel l jackson did one nick cage uh so i don't know if it's a movement or a moment but actors seem to be making comic books and i think uh that's that's i mean they already see stories visually uh, what one would assume so well right and it's not like he's drawing this he's like partnered yeah, with an artist right. to do this so that's also a key thing you've got to have somebody who's really really good at what they do um and eduardo uh, rizzo is the one who is doing this and he's like an eisner winning artist so not uh, definitely bringing in the a team for the the art piece of this so um i think that um this is I'm definitely going to check it out. I'm kind of excited about it. Um, I do think it's kind of funny that Bruce Campbell said that he wrote the comic like a Michael Bay movie. (laughs) <laughs> like what, like so in thumbs up, and he was sort of saying like if they were to actually make this a movie it'd be really expensive because he was like i'm putting as many explosions as possible because you know you don't have to pay for them in the comic book right so it's kind of funny that's hilarious um anyway i thought that was a pretty funny comment um but anyway to the main uh, event i think yes yes let's jump into it so we're talking today about wormwood road of the dead uh, which was consciously a melding of zombie movies and Mad Max by two sort of amateur but experienced amateur director and produce a team of brothers who uh, executive uh, who produced and directed the film and did it on effectively a shoestring budget. I think the origin story of this movie is like is pretty impressive. They did one Indiegogo campaign that raised thirty seven thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, they married that to another, I guess they did another crowdfund, maybe just in Australia. And they got some money from like the Australian, you know, we want to, we want to help people make movies fund. Uh, and that all added up to $160,000 uh, Australian, hmm. which is about 110 in today dollars us, but I don't know what it would have been like less, I assume um, in, in 2014 or 2013 or whenever they were making this. The, the Indiegogo pitch video is really interesting to watch when they were asking for that money. They were just like, look, we've been making movies. It was kind of like an M. Night Shyamalan. Thank you. Uh, origin story where they've just been making movies since they were kids. And so it's like it's just kind of like breathing to them. And uh, and they had they put together a, a team of uh, actors and friends and made the short that they put into the Indiegogo pitch. And that's really interesting to watch, too, because it's the same actors who were in the film. Uh, the, the bald guy with the beard who mm-hmm. picks picks up uh, Barry on the road, uh, except in this case, it's like that guy is playing the role that Benny ends up playing in the movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, so they did a little bit of a switcheroo. Um, I like Benny a lot, so I kind of agree with that switch. <laughs> I thought that that actor was fantastic. Yeah, there's not a lot of dialogue in the short Um so I think, yeah, Benny probably brought a lot more charisma. Not yeah. that the, the dude, his name is Chalker, by the way, the bald guy with the beard um, wasn't. Either way, yeah, the origin Burchell is really good as Benny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's Leon Burchell. One of my favorite parts of the whole movie. So 
he brought a lot of comedy to he the, did. He was definitely comic relief, uh, but he had such a great delivery in general. Yeah. Uh, just fantastic. Um, so this movie is high octane, I think is another way to, to characterize it. It's, it's, it's very like a lot of fast edits. Uh, they don't dwell on too many scenes for very long. And even though the story is told uh, between this brother and sister, for the most part, flashing back between their two experiences, you don't really stay with either one of their stories for very long. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, I do think that they do a pretty good job more so with him than with her um, at doing a little bit of character building. But he also at least has like his family to play off of and those relationships. And that was rough. Um, But I think that they did a really good job of building that story for him. Um, I would have liked to see a little bit more with her and maybe some, you know, non-zombie interaction um we know we learn a lot about her you know after everything like hits the fan basically but i just think but they do a really good job at like sort of cutting to different things and making sure that you like i do think they do a good job of making you care about them despite the fact that it's kind of a shallow take in general on the characters right and for her, she is gagged for most of the yeah movie. yeah and which gotta say you know i think that if my only criticism not not my only criticism criticism but my main criticism is that in terms of like well you know how i love body horror there's a bit of that in here and i just uh do not love body horror and i just think that they could have gotten the point across on those ends of things they didn't need to do the multiple scenes that they did with this and there's a couple of things like that in this i'm just like okay we you got the point right like you don't need to build it in that way and i think it could have been edited down a bit um in terms of some of those things, that's just my own personal opinion. But um, I just thought it didn't add to the story, the, like the multiple lab body horror things. Right. Um, yeah. It doesn't you don't need as much as they did. Yeah. But you can't um, also cut a lot out of this movie because it's only an hour and 38 minutes. <laughs> so they, I think, they, you know, given more of a budget and a little more time to fine tune their scripts, maybe they could have come up with ways to have less maybe, of the torture. The torture I will shed. say, yeah, but I will say. With this budget, it's a pretty incredible film. And the effects it's much, alone. Yeah, the effects are incredible. Also, the I will say the editing. And, you know, if you're going out there looking to do sort of like a Mad Max sort of zombie thing, they really did it. They did it well. And so I can't, I'm not complaining about that. And believe me, my, my only criticism is, I mean, for other people who are into body horror, they're probably into those scenes. I just am not. Um, so that's that's probably just a personal preference. I think they they put together a really good cast for this too, and we've already oh, yeah, talked about great. Leon Burchill who plays Benny, uh, but Barry the the lead male is also very good and does do some probably pretty heavy lifting because, I mean, early on he says to Benny, uh, like you know I used a nail gun on my wife and daughter this morning. I don't I'm not sure how to tell you a story about that. Um, and then, you, like you know that that's coming, and then you you spend another half an hour with those with the three of them. You're like, oh my god, it's coming! Yeah. Um, and you know, you know it's coming, and it's but they still do a great job. And yeah. um, again, the cast was really strong. You absolutely, they do this just a very tiny dinner scene with Barry and his family, mm-hmm. um, Annie, his wife, and Megan, his daughter, and it's a small scene. 
but you learn so much in that one scene. And I thought that that was really in terms of writing um, and just building that specific character and uh, like, honestly, just sort of building up the horror of what this guy has gone through. I thought it was just incredibly um, just tight, basically. <laughs> and Again, like, com- I think it comes down to the editing. Like the dialogue yeah. is fairly mundane. It's, it it's is, the but... way that they shoot each of those little scenes. The, yep. the young woman, Megan, or, or Megan, Megan, I think, is um, having like an inane conversation uh, about like who's a slut in her class or whatever. <laughs> and they're, uh, it's like, it's not it's nothing you're going to like, you know, it's going to change your life as far as dialogue, but the way that it's shot and then as soon as things kind of go off, uh, it's a lot of those fast cuts um, to, yeah. to really punch up the edit. Like when they're driving away from the house after the zombie outbreak has started, they they have this really effective way of showing them running over zombies, which is they show someone running up to the car and yep. then they cut back to inside the car and they just basically they're just doing it all through Foley work and noises. Yep. Um, and I thought that was actually really, that really was cool. really great. And I mean, they spent the most time building up the things about Barry and his family. Uh, as I said, I would have liked to see a little bit more with Brooke, but also a little bit more with Benny. We have a little bit with him and his brothers and, you know, you do understand the horror of, of what he's going through, but it doesn't hit quite as hard because there's really no dialogue really between him and his brothers. So it's not like you even have that anything with them. Right. So, so you do get the sense of the horror of it, but not quite, it doesn't hit as hard as it does with Barry. Yeah. And ultimately Benny doesn't even have the wherewithal to, to, he can't, he can't take out his brother. He just can't do it. So his, um, the way he tells that story too, is very, he's like, it's in his voice in the current time talking right. back about like how his brothers are both dead, but he doesn't seem that upset about it. And then at the end of that story, he's like, yeah, what did you do this morning or whatever? Do you have any stories, Barry? And Barry's like, yeah, my wife and daughter, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this, the, the scene where Benny is walking in the woods with his two brothers was they were doing some crazy color stuff. Yeah, they uh, were. And that felt a little less, I mean, that felt almost like dreamlike, right? And maybe that's like, what they yeah. were going for since he was relating the story, but yeah. it was, it, it was definitely like a, they were they were make, taking an approach that I don't feel like we saw much of for the rest of the movie. So that was kind of interesting. I feel like they were just being experimental for a fair amount of this. Yeah. And I mean, but I will say it just was sort of a to me, it was a joy to watch this. I just thought it was it was, you know, and, and they get, you know, they, they get into the the schlocky stuff. And it's definitely it it, it has a specific um feel to it which is just a little like kind of like i don't know gonzo zombie stuff which i think is definitely what they were going for um but you know it it like i i'm i couldn't believe the budget when i saw it and i feel like i remember when they were doing this um this GoFundMe or whatever it was kickstarter for this um but um i like I'm all for whatever they're, whatever they want to do, basically. <laughs> like, I think it's kind of fun. Um, and they have a bunch of other horror films and obviously uh, they, um, they are doing, they did the, the se- se- sequel to this, which is the apocalypse thing. Um, I haven't watched it, but it's very clear that it has a much larger budget. I don't know if that necessarily helps it. What do you think? I mean, I'd have to see it to, uh, to, to weigh in. Um, yeah, sometimes that doesn't help, but uh, let's, you know, 
I'm going to withhold my, uh, my criticism or, you know, my opinion until we see that movie. I'd also say he's coming out. Uh, he's got another project, like a horror film that he's working on, not zombie related, but it's like an arachnophobia movie basically called sting. Um, so it just feels like he's just really, I mean, he has, he has like a, a niche now, or, I mean, he's had a niche for a while, but I'm like definitely into this idea of doing these kinds of projects. And I don't know, I want to see the, now I want to see the apocalypse sort of sequel to this and maybe we'll have to review that as well. But um, part of the thing about a smaller budget like this, I do think that it forces directors to take some creative uh, to, to be creative about how they're using it. And I do think that the effects for this were just incredibly good. Like, yeah. There, we've seen bigger budget films that didn't do it nearly as well. They also experimented with some different sort of uh, approaches to zombie stuff. Like, mm-hmm. um, so it's like, you know, asteroids or whatever, meteors, meteoroids, uh, meteorites uh, turn people into zombies. And then they start breathing out gris green smoke, which you see for the first half of the movie. You're like, what is going on with their mouths? Yeah, I was um, like, is it just cold there? I was like trying yeah. to figure out what it was. Are they filming this on a really cold day? That's messed up. But then it's kind of green. Uh, and then halfway through the movie, we realized that, well, gas doesn't work anymore, but blood now is flammable. And not just blood, but this like green stuff that the zombies breathe out. And um, and then they have to put them, fix them to a mask and once you combine putting the zombies in a mask and the uh, up-armored Hilux that they're driving for most of the film, suddenly you are right there in Mad Max, right? Like it literally like the, the, Mad, the most recent Mad Max with, um, uh, God, I can't remember the actors' names, but you, you know the one I'm talking about where the people like the- With, with Charlize Theron and Charlize everybody. Theron, yeah, and, um, and Tom Hardy. And they're, you know, the, the, the way that they have them wearing masks and are like um, some people are attached to the vehicle and you're right oh, there. Yeah, like that's what's going on. Um, and I think that that was actually kind of a, a genius uh, approach to, to making something, taking the zombie stuff and making it a little bit different and then fitting it into the theme that you were going for. Yeah, and I like that. Um, And I think that I like the idea that so basically anybody with a negative blood wasn't turned like other people were, whatever this reaction to the meteorites were. Um, The one thing that I don't necessarily know is how this little military outfit that they run into and that's responsible for the majority of the body horror here, um, how they got up and running so quickly. Like they have vehicles that are basically fully functional in this sort of like much like higher level of science way Mm -hmm. um, that are, you know, it seems like this happened pretty quickly. I just don't that I think you have to kind of just let that go basically, but it is still, maybe they'll explain it more in the second film, but like why this group was basically able to be up and running and had figured it all out enough so that they're doing like experiments on people who are, are a negative. Um, And then the other thing that was a little mysterious to me that maybe it's um, and maybe I just have to like, let this go. But if people are a negative are not susceptible to the meteor thing, why would they even be susceptible to the zombie bites? But I guess that's a different transmission maybe. Um, So that was, you know, that was just my thought. And I just don't fully understand what had happened to the sister, but these are, you know, these are the themes of horror films. So you just kind of have to like, let it go and, and sort of suspension of disbelief. I see um, these also as like potential story hooks for the next, for the next right. you know chunk of the story. They did a good job of like, uh, 
letting you know that there were more of those soldiers out there yep. um, by like a couple of lines of dialogue. And then they actually have an interaction with more of them at the very end of the movie. I, I thought that was a good way to show that this is like a, an organization that yeah, they're like up a against. Bigger outfit. Uh, so I thought that was pretty um, cool. I d- also want to say that the stunts and things like that were also pretty impressive for this budget. Like, and they did a really good job. Like, honestly, they could have filmed all the stuff outside on like just a couple of roads in the woods. Right. Like there's just probably a limited set, but they did a really good job with what they had. And, you know, some of it's that they're out in the middle of nowhere. So everything, you know, you could kind of just dress things up and, and things are going to you make them look a little bit different. Uh, from from each scene, differently from each scene, but I just thought that the again the editing was really very incredibly high level. So I I just enjoyed that, and I actually was like rewatching a couple of things because I was just like, wow, like that was a really smart piece of editing. Um, and I thought, you know, overall this was just an enjoyable film to watch. Aside, look, I'll, I'll talk about the body horror part, but like anything that involves any kind of like lab or people chained up and having like scientific experiments done to them. I'm just not on board. It just, it's like a thing that just, I get, it gives me the willies. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't enjoy that. Um, and they had the, the sort of like prerequisite kind of crazy, weird sciencey dude that like takes joy in that pain that he's sort of like, you know, dancing around and playing weird music and I, I like i just it's not my thing what do you, it, is it your thing i don't think you're into body horror really no uh, yeah it wasn't it, like it wasn't clear what what he was going for but that's that was fine to me uh it, it maybe we went back there one or two times too many um but like they didn't they didn't make you wait too long for brooke to start manifesting her powers and yeah. to have a real clear sense of what was happening uh, and you had to kind of understand why she was manifesting that. So you needed one or two of those scenes with the mad doctor. Yeah. Um, so kind of like, I don't know. I don't know that they could have done it much more efficiently, but yeah. Was it my favorite part of the movie? No. Um, my favorite part of the movie was probably when Benny and Barry run up to the red shack that you see in yeah, the opening. That was scene. one of the best things ever. That was Benny great. just yells out at this other dude. whose name's Kel. I think is like, Hey, can we come in there? Kel's <laughs> like, okay. yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> there is, I will say, there is a very Australian humor oh, yeah. to this, um, just in the pacing and how it's hitting, like just a very dry kind of nonchalant sense of humor, which I really loved. Um, I'd also say that the tone has like that that dark humor um, throughout it. Sometimes it doesn't always work, but for the most part it does, and it basically is a movie that doesn't take itself too seriously, even in the face of absolute horror. And and the biggest, the best example of this is the scene with, I guess the guy's name is Chalker and Benny and uh, Barry and like Benny takes out Chalker, like just shoots his head off. And he's like, is he okay? (laughs) And like, (laughs) it's not clearly. And they just kind of like, move on from there and yeah like within seconds Jay, uh, nothing, like no big deal just shrug your shoulders and move along and i was like whoa okay so that's this kind of film right barry's and, just and like keep, hey you coming <laughs> and keep in mind this is after some pretty fraught scenes where barry has basically had to um not basically he yeah. did he had to to kill his wife his daughter he was suicidal he was suicidal and chalker basically was you know in a pretty 
rough situation and just continues to kind of support Barry and then just gets taken out for his trouble, not by Barry, obviously, but accidentally by Benny. So it was like that, that was like, whoa, okay. And when that happened, I was like, oh, this is like a very different type of film than I thought it was initially. Um, So anyway, that was, that was kind of interesting, just those choices. But I do think that with the humor and the way that they used it spliced in, it's, it's that it's just like a, a more enjoyable watch, I guess, than if it was just that straight, you know, zombocalypse thing happening. Yeah. They, they also had a quick uh, shout out to Ned Kelly, famous Australian outlaw, uh, who was, I think, most famous for wearing like a massive suit of armor and a big shootout with the police in the, I think, in the 19th century. Um, when Frank comes out of the red shed wearing uh, that getup, well, he doesn't wear it again after that scene, but oh. he wears other armor. Uh, and they even call him Ned um, right after they get inside, which I thought was a cool little shout out to Australian folk lore, I guess, history. Um, and Frank was another like interesting character. Like like you said, like Barry doesn't really get to, he's a foil or whatever, right? He's the straight man. He doesn't get to uh, to be comedic, but almost everybody else in his little team does. And so that kind of helps le- uh, give you the levity because otherwise just Barry by himself would be kind of a big downer because of what he's been through. Um, Benny, meanwhile, doesn't care about <laughs> anything. Nope. Um, and Frank it introduces humor. Like when he actually gets bitten, he's like, get me the medical box. Oh, I know. It was such a like, <laughs> and it's like beers in there. And then Benny's like, do you mind if I finish this beer again? Yeah. You uh, know, after something horrific has happened. So, um, but I did think it was, uh, it was just, there was a lot of fun things. I actually didn't clock the whole Ned Kelly thing. I thought that the sort and a lot of their suits of art, I thought it was very Monty Python actually. Mm. Um, but you know, that's, that's kind of a cool thing. Um, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, and I would say like, even at the, in the third act, it doesn't like lose any steam uh, no, because going. it gains energy actually, I think. Yeah. Because then you get into this like confrontation with the soldiers and, and Barry and Brooke ha- are reunited and you're all excited because Brooke is like testing out her new powers. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, it, it's like, it's still, it's still pretty exciting all the way to the, to the final uh, credits. In fact, <laughs> when the final, like this, they're playing heavy metal, like after the last shot and then like, bam, you see the big t- uh, ending title yeah, credit. It looks so good. Yeah, this movie was a lot of fun. Uh, and it was know. and it was satisfying, too, because you see Brooke looking all like badass. Yeah. And, and you know, bringing in the troops, basically her zombie troops. Uh, so I really enjoyed that that part of it. And I mean, definitely set up for a sequel, but it could have just stood on its own if they didn't want to do that. So it was it was definitely a lot of fun. It was a fun ride. Yeah, absolutely. What did you think of the vehicles that used? I really did like their little tricked out truck that they used. Uh, yeah, the Hilux. Uh, that that was that yep. was really cool. I think they must have put a lot of effort into just like props for that. They have like a cage in the back. They've got tubes and hoses everywhere. They even yep. have a really high speed tracking shot of how their zombie ignition system works. Right, like they take the camera. It's in. They fast forward it, I think, but they take the camera from like a zombie breathing gas into the thing goes into the generator up through, through some hoses into another like thing, carburetor type thing or whatever in the hood of the truck. Um, they, they had, 
they took care on the detail, like not only in this, the stuff that was going to be in the background and would be cool, but then they also had like that little harpoon. I think they really just wanted to have a harpoon on top of that truck. They didn't really <laughs> use it that much. Oh, they didn't. Um, I would also say that I think part of why this was so successful is that they use a lot of practical effects and props and things like that. Um, there's definitely some, some, you know, quick editing and things, obviously you're like shooting off a harpoon, but you know, they didn't, there was just a lot of practical effects and really good editing. Um, certainly there were some things added in, um, like the zombie fog, obviously, but just in terms of like the makeup and things like that, um, they, a little went a long way in terms of what they did. Um, and uh, they used for the, the zombies, the, the sort of like, you know, uh, the, the, like what, what are those blue white contacts or whatever they are to sort of like indicate the change. But I thought that that was pretty successful in what, how they used it related to the other makeup. And I didn't see like, even with the crowd of zombies, I didn't see a lot of laziness. Like everybody looked pretty good mm-hmm. for all. Um, but they also, you know, because it was so quick moving and quick edits, you didn't have a lot of time to linger. Um, yeah. I think where they used the most sort of makeup effects was in the, little laboratory thing. Um, and that's mainly on the zombie on the table, everybody else, they did some really, I don't, I don't want to call them sneaky. I I think they're smart tricks where they're like kind of their faces are covered up and things like that. So you didn't have to like go all out with the zombie makeup, but the guy on the, the guy on the slab, basically on the gurney, that guy, they did a lot with like the shadowing and and all that stuff. So Yeah. Um, so anyway, I thought that they did, did fantastic job on all of those effects. And it was just really uh, like, again, I w- I could not believe that they did it with that budget. And shout out to Brooks boob sweat. Honestly, that, oh my that, gosh, that, that was like, come on. That boob they sweat did a that, lot of work. That actor must have just been doused in that. Like it must have been spraying her down. There's like so <sighs> many shots. She must have been so tired like sitting in that lab. Um, she probably thought the lab scenes went on way too long. That was like <laughs> rough. That seemed like a really rough shoot. Yeah. Um, because, you know, like her arms really are held above her for all that time. Like that's not fun. That's not a fun shoot. That's, that's the most of the movie we haven't uh, painstakingly gone through the plot. So if you hadn't seen it and uh, like the way it sounds, definitely go see it, get in a car and drive to Bulla Bulla as fast as you can. Yes, I agree. Sorry, did I, I, did I say the words I, boob sweat too many times for you, Jay? Did you, have you shut down? Uh, uh, I shut down a little bit, but I was actually just thinking, I didn't even know that there was a place called Bulla Bulla. I don't think there is. I've, I've been looking it up on Google Maps and it's, I got the impression this was Western Australia, was where they were setting the film, but there is a Mount Bulla Bulla in New South Wales. Hmm. Or maybe they were just teasing us to... <laughs> Yeah. Just making up a name like it sounds vaguely australian so and uh, then there's a Honestly, place called it wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me because uh you know it's it's there's definitely a very good sense of humor about the whole thing so yeah. anyway um and you know one of the things just to sort of heading back to the practical effects piece of this i mean if any if you've seen any interviews uh with kia rush turner he really is all about the practical effects and you can see that in his other projects and things like that. And he's like, I didn't really get into movie making to, to sort of be doing things on a green screen. And you know what, as a horror film fan, I really appreciate that. Um, And I think I like, I don't mind some CGI. I don't mind some effects uh, to sort of like highlight certain things, Mm -hmm. but I feel like the films that you and I really like are tends tend to have more of the practical effects overall for the most part. 
Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, it, it's, yeah, they're not phoning it in. Like they have to really, they have to really work at it to, uh, to give you the. And it, I mean, fix. look, it's more, it's more time consuming and quite frankly, you have to, you know, really like map that stuff out because it is, it's more expensive and um, in the aggregate it is anyway. Um, but I just think that it comes across in just such a better way. So anyway. Oh, can off. we also, while we're talking about effects, can we just talk really fast just to uh, be blown away by lighting the captain's face on fire? Oh, yeah. What on $160,000. Yeah. After all the effects you've done, that's one of the big effects at the end of the film is mm-hmm. they, they light a dude's face on fire. Uh, and like the, if I think they have a high speed camera and they throw some matches at this guy's face, you watch his like skin bounce. Maybe that's effect. Or maybe that's CGI. I don't know. But like they bounce off his skin and then they explode into flame. And uh, oh my gosh, that was by itself like an amazing effect right there. I wonder oh, how yeah, much of absolutely. that was practical. I, I was almost uh, watching that effect. I was like, did they, they must, I feel like they must have known they wanted to do that. And they're like, we're going to spend this amount or they had money left over in their budget. And they're like, we'll have to do this. Right. But I feel yeah. like they plotted this one out. It seemed very deliberate. Right. Um, and they also like the one thing I thought was pretty not, I just thought it was interesting is like the characters that like, they, and I do think that was part of the reason for going back to the lab so much is that you want, you definitely want that doctor dude to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, you want this military dude to die. Um, they're, like they're both total jerks and they have to build up that scene and they make them both die in horrific ways. So, you know, I think that is somewhat satisfying. Yeah. Uh, very satisfying. Definitely. I mean, a lot of good guys fall along the way. Right. But they also make the bad guys pay. Correct. Correct. Um, all right. That is all I, I think have. That's, I think that's all we've got. Um, let us know what you think about Wormwood. Were you one of its backers on Indiegogo back in 20, whatever? Uh, let us know uh, if, if you've seen the movie, if you liked it, whatever. Um, we are going to have all the, the news we talked about in our show notes. That'll be up on reanimated podcast at Jeep. Nope. At reanimatedpodcast.com. And you can email us at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. And we are on Twitter at reanimated pcast um i don't know what we're going to talk about next time but when we come back you can betcha it'll be about zombies or vampires (laughs) absolutely until next time ciao bye for now